baseball without beer. It's not that interesting. This is Tall Can Audio. Away we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast for your Monday morning. Hope you've all had a great weekend, gorgeous weekend across most of Ontario. It was awesome. Uh, give us a follow on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. And as you all know, there is no salary cap in the playoffs. We are allowed to bring Shrides and her huge contract off LTIR, and we've done that today. Welcome back, Shrides. What's happening? Just happy to be here, Matt. Uh, I'm uh, committed to doing what I can to help the team win, and we, uh, we're just focused on the next game. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> we have lots of those to come. How's it going? Not too bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. You know, it's a sunny, as we record this, full disclosure, it's not Monday morning. It is Sunday afternoon, That's and correct. it's sunny and beautiful, and it's been that all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got my new patio furniture set up, and by that, I mean I bugged my husband to do it until he finally did it and then I supervised um and that's not because of like a gender stereotype thing I just I'm not um like I don't like assembling things I don't like putting things together even if it is a, like a bookshelf or I don't even like puzzles it's just not something I love doing so I I helped but I really wanted him to do it because I'm too lazy so he finally did it and now I have beautiful patio furniture that I'm gonna have to take in because uh it's supposed to be rainy and snowy this week Welcome to Ottawa in April, Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to enjoy it while I can. So you say you're not great at putting things together. Where do you rank on a wifely scale of standing over him while he does it and judging and correcting and just generally? Oh, not at all. No, I let let him, you tell me what you need me to do and and help um, because I don't, I'm in in it like... I can physically do it. It's 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 more so the reading of the manual that I hate. And I'm right. like, oh, look for part A and part B. And I'm like, I hate all that. Um, so I let him do it. And then I just kind of wait. And then I tell him, you tell me when you need me. And then <laughs> he tells me and I come help. And then I go away again. Okay. I, that's not a bad system. I could live nope. with that. Like that. That's workable. So. Know your strengths. Again, it's not about gender in this case. It's quite literally right. just who I am as a person. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fair. Uh, we do appreciate you battling through to do the show because I know last night was a late one for you, 11 p.m. Uh, we'll get to why that was in a second, but you're powering through. Have you brought a pint to the table? I sure have, Matt. I'm nothing if not committed to the cause, and uh, today I have... Um, sunburst New England style pale ale from Stormstayed Brewing in London, Ontario. Um, Stormstayed, I've been to a couple of times. Uh, we have a obscene amount of friends from London, Ontario, for some reason, and we go down there quite a bit. And they've got a cool little brewery there. But um, I may have mentioned this on the last episode. I'm dog sitting for a friend right now, and as payment for said dog sitting, they brought us a bunch of beer from London, and this is one of them. Ah, uh, so that's what I'm going with today. Okay. Nice. Well, that That's an authoritative crack for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm going with one today to start. I've got two sitting here, but uh, we'll start with the one. Uh, this is one you brought me when you were in, what, oh. like 10 days ago, maybe? This is from uh, Una Brew. Oh, this yes, is, the French one. Yes. Ce n'est, uh, ce n'est pas la fin du monde. Not the end of the world. There were two you've brought me. The other one is just called uh, La Fin du Monde. 
I don't know why I started with, uh, you know what? It's a nice day. So I'm feeling positive. It's not the end of the world. So we'll, we'll have yeah. that one to start. Uh, we're not going to have both today because they're both clocking in at about nine and a half percent. I was just going to ask if I, if I remember correctly, they were quite high in percentage. So right. best of luck so to you, sir. We'll just have one of those ones today. I do have Fair. another one sitting here too, that I'll get to in a little bit. Um, it's from Bellwoods Brewery down in Toronto. When our buddy Kevin Mickey was up and uh, visited the studio for the first time, he brought some Bellwoods for me. Um, and this one also seems appropriate just for the weather. As you said, it's going to turn again this week after our quick little blast of summer. Uh, I wanted to get this one in. It's called, uh, it's one of their Jelly King series. It's called Pink Guava. And uh, it is a sour. And they're saying it's going to be quite tart. I'm not sure how I feel about all of that, but uh, we'll find out how I feel about it in a little bit. Uh, what'd you do this weekend, Shrides? So I had a very busy social weekend. Um, mm. Friday nights uh, here in Elmont, um, Josh and I went to uh, the dairy distillery, uh, Vodkow. Many of you may know the best. Um, they hosted an 80s, 90s, and 2000s trivia night. And I am very proud to report that Josh and I won the trivia night. And apparently both wow. of us are very strong in 80s trivia because that was where we excelled. Um, so th that's what we did Friday night. And then last night, uh, we went to Broadhead Brewery in the East End and went to a drag show there. It was called Drag and Draft or Draft and Drag, one of the two. Um, <laughs> I like that. and, uh, they had a, a, a couple of drag queens and a drag king and they, they put on, it was my first ever drag show and it was so much fun. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I, I do not remember a time i don't I, I can't remember last time i had this much fun it was just such a fun night out really um i it was so uh like everyone was so happy like i had a big goofy smile on my face all night but <laughs> they, they were so funny and it was just it was such a great experience and uh yeah it was at broadhead brewery i think they're they're doing it once a month for the next little while i think there's another one planned in may and june um and if you've ever been to like drag brunch in ottawa it's, it the the two drag queens who hosted it last night um one of them is saltina and the other one is uh, the name is escaping me but i'll look it up anyway they host drag brunch as well at zach's diner so if you've ever been uh there for that that's it's the same people um it was absolutely fantastic i cannot recommend it enough i had so much fun did you run into travis tritt while you were there any kid rock sightings any uh no no, no. surprisingly not um <laughs> and you know like, it, it's funny uh, we were a sunshine glitter child is the other one, by the way. Okay. And then the drag King's name is Axel lightning. Um, it, they did mention at one point, like, you know, it was, it was a super happy night and, um, there was, there was nothing but joy and, and fun, but they did mention, you know, the elephant in the room. And that is that drag and the LGBTQ plus community in general is kind of under attack right now, mm -hmm. uh, especially in the States. And and make no mistake, we can sit up here in Canada and think like, oh, it's not that bad here. Well, stuff trickles up, and it's already started to. Um, so there's a lot. There's unfortunately a lot of hatred towards this community right now. And if I listen, there are people whose hearts and minds you're never going to change. But if you, ha I, I don't know how anybody can go to a drag show and not feel anything but happy. It's so much fun. And how you can look at that as a threat. I honestly, I don't know anything about them. What are they, like, what happens at these shows? They basically just dance and put on a performance. And then it's okay. a kind of comedy in between. Um, right. uh, they'll bring in the interact 
interact with the audience uh, and, you know, they'll make jokes at <laughs> the audience members' expense um, and, and be in a fun way, obviously. Is this like, uh, and, is yeah, this Helen just... a handbag from Friends? Like, is that what we're talking about? This sort of, do you remember Chandler's that, dad when Chandler's they go to Vegas? Dad? Yes. Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> you know, they, they play music and they dance and lip sync to it. Uh, and then they'll they'll just kind of chat and interact with the audience and make jokes and stuff like that. And you know they, they talked about it last night. Like the, there's different drag, kinds of drag shows, right? There's the one we went to, which was hosted at 7:30 p.m. on a Saturday uh, or 8 p.m. I don't know. It was like, uh, and sure. it's full of adults. So obviously the content is very adult, yes. right? They they were making you know they, they called it a dick joke basically. <laughs> but what they said, and the, I, I I hate. Just like it, it needs to be said, but I hate that it needs to be said. Like the story time, the drag story time, that's obviously not what you're seeing at drag story time at a library during the day with children, right? right. Like people are taking what they see in these drag shows that are geared towards adults and saying, oh my goodness, they're doing this in front of children. No, they're not. They're, they're tailoring the show to the audience. And sure. obviously story time is very kid friendly. And it's just people expressing themselves in in the way that that feels most natural to them and that like how is that not joyful and right. i just i want everyone to experience it because it was so much fun and i think people just need to understand that this is not a threat and and the the, the attempts to make it a threat are so clearly just attempts to distract from the real problems Right. Especially in the States. Right. They don't want mm -hmm. you talking about the real threats to kids, which is <clears throat> guns. Um, <laughs> they want you thinking that drag queens are a threat to kids, which they're not. Uh, so if if you're curious, I highly, highly recommend checking out a drag show. There's plenty in Ottawa. All I did was I was curious about it. So I Googled yep. it and that's how we ended up here. Um, so I highly, I highly recommend it. And trust me, it will be the best night out you have in a long time. Plus craft beer. Plus, plus craft beer. Bro <laughs> right. Broadhead, by the way, like everyone was so amazed that we made the trip from Almont. They're like, oh my God, you drove all the way from Almont. It was an hour. It's not that bad. But Broadhead is such a great location. Like their their tap room is is an amazing space. It sucks that yeah. it's all the way in Orleans for us. It really does. <laughs> I wish they were a little more central. Um, yeah. But it, it is a great venue. And even if you just want to go for like, you know, an afternoon. And no, Broadhead did not pay me to say this. I just genuinely love their space. They've got good food. Um, it's a big open space and, and tons of good beer. And yeah, anytime you're spending, you know, your Saturday night watching drag, drinking craft beer, I think you're doing okay. Yeah. Try the uh, grindstone Amber. Pretty good. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, this one that I'm sipping on here that you brought for me, it's got a little pepper to it or something okay. like a little spice of some kind, which is interesting. Uh, you can definitely tell that the alcohol has been cranked up on it a little bit, but not in an <laughs> overpowering way. Um, yeah, pretty nice. How's the, how's your street in you? This one's super tasty. Um, it's it's got everything you want as advertised New England style pale ale. So it's it's quite hazy, um, and and hoppy and bitter. Uh, full disclosure, I had tried it before. Um, okay. but it's also like it's a five point four percent. It's nice and light. And for a day like today, where you know it's it's super sunny out, and you just want to sit on the deck with your new patio furniture and then have a couple of beers, it's it's perfect for that. So it's, this is like. A, a Shrides beer, if there ever was one. <laughs> uh, one of the things I did while enjoying my summer was sit outside, uh, my summer weekend, um, was sit outside and watch the ball game on Saturday. And I know for you, things have been pretty busy. We've had March Madness. We've had Women's World Hockey Championships. Uh, the NHL still going on. 
uh, some North American women's soccer. Actually, before we get into anything else, there's other big news coming from She's Got Game. You're a podcast now. Imagine the idea. We sure are. Welcome to the 21st century, <laughs> She's Got Game. Um, we're, we're still with TSN. There was some confusion. Um, someone was w- w- asking if, if we're still on TSN. Yes, absolutely we are. You can yeah. still listen to us on your local TSN radio uh, uh, whenever the times are. They vary. Um, but we've been, for a while, the only way to listen to it online was to to go to the website mm-hmm. um, and listen to it like, in a browser and that's not a great experience. So we had been pushing for a podcast for quite some time, and we finally got one. Uh, so you can get you can get She's Got Game wherever you get your podcast now. Just give us a little search. Give us a follow as well. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, sure. So when you miss She's Got Game on TSN Radio, you can catch it whenever you want on your phone because it is the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I was happy when I saw it because we've talked about this before, how long it had taken you guys to to get that up and running. We'll share the links to it um, in the show notes. But essentially, wherever you're hearing Shrides and I talk right now, you can be searching for She's Got Game and uh, and give it a follow there. Uh, to can circle I also, back, go so, ahead. Sorry, can I also just promote real quick this week's episode? Because unfortunately, you can't get back episodes. So, so this week's episode was the first one that's available. And yeah. I do recommend giving it a listen. We talk about... Um, uh, the Kenya women's national soccer team. Uh, they had a couple of friendly, they had a friendly last week and, and needless to say, we're a little concerned. Uh, we talked about the <laughs> WNBA draft and we very importantly talked about um, a letter that was signed by 40 athletes, including Sue Bird, Bangad Rapino, and Becky Sauerbrunn, um, essentially calling out the quote unquote protection of women and girls in sport act, which bans transgender and intersex uh, athletes from competing in sports. Um, that bill is not a good thing. And, uh, should not be happening because it is a blatant discrimination. And even though it's going to fall under Title IX, which says that no one should be discriminated against uh, ba- yeah. on the basis of sex, it is discriminating against people on the basis of sex. And um, <laughs> athletes are, are speaking out about it and, and saying, no, we need to address the actual threats to women's sports like inequality, lack of funding, rampant abuse. And if anybody's going to know about how to protect women and girls in sports, it's female athletes. So probably, yeah, we should probably listen to them. Um, (laughs) And we talk about that, which is something that's really important going on in sports right now. So just a little shout out for this week's episode. Like I said, check that out wherever you're hearing us right now. She's got game. Give it a search. Give it a follow. Uh, Shrides, I kind of am fairly scatterbrained so i only vaguely remember the point i was trying to make but i was oh i'm sorry watching that's no i'm the one who remembered oh shit we gotta we gotta tee up the podcast so um but i i was sitting outside watching some baseball and i continue to be blown away by how fast these games are going they've shaved about 30 minutes off most games using the pitch clock here i don't know how much time you've spent watching baseball this early on in the season, like I listed there off the top, you've had a lot of other things going on, but are you noticing any appreciable difference if you've watched it all? Um, so I honestly, yes. Uh, full disclosure, I have not like sat down and watched a game start to finish a whole lot this season, yeah. but I have done it a couple I mean, this season. We're like, what, a week in? That's about it, yeah. <laughs> and it, it like already there's been what, like 11 games. Um, <laughs> but I, I have noticed, you're right, it's like the, the pace feels a lot different even like last night for example we were at broadhead before the show started the jays game was on so mm-hmm. we were watching that and it it felt like it was flying by real fast um and you know even like the first game of the season that wild game that we saw against the cardinals like right i remember i was walking into the tsn studios 
when I walked by the TV to go record the show, it was four one J's. When we came out after having recorded about an hour later, it was like eight seven cards. <laughs> <laughs> like even though these games are going by so fast, so much is happening. And yes. I gotta say, like I love it. I'm not gonna lie to you because I'm I love baseball, but it's always been for me a, a background sport because sitting down to watch an entire game kind of felt like a lot before, right? And it's feeling a lot easier to do that because you almost can't walk away if you walk away you're gonna miss something whereas before if you walked away you're gonna miss a shot of the coach chewing gum (laughs) and that doesn't happen anymore (laughs) no and not everybody's loving it and we've talked a little bit uh about some of the unintended consequences when you start tinkering with the rules and i think mostly we thought we'd be talking about on the field but beer vendors shrides have not necessarily been happy with the fact that we've sped these games up and we're (laughs) having people in the ballpark a little less often. And as you just pointed out, there's less time to walk away. If you jumped out in, you know, after uh, the third out was made, ran up in between innings, grabbed your beer, you might've missed a bit of the first at bat back, depending on how long the line was, but it wasn't the end of the world. If you go now and there's any kind of, you might miss an entire inning with how fast this stuff is going. And beer vendors have been sort of like, hey, we need to find a way to keep you people drinking. And there's been some interesting ideas, like right now, uh, well, previous to this year, all 30 teams, I believe it was, with maybe only one or two exceptions, would cut off beer sales in the seventh inning. Not overly different from hockey, where they cut off hockey or beer in second intermission. And the idea is supposed to be for safety, right? If you have had one or two too many, I don't know how quick it fades off, but at least you're not having one more just before you jump in the car. Well, we've seen ballparks already start to sell into the eighth inning now because they're trying to get these sales back up, but unintended consequences. Never thought the beer industry would be quite so impacted by the speed of the game being picked up, Shrides. And it kind of, it, it, it illustrates the problem in and of itself, right? Baseball, have you ever watched baseball without beer? It's not that interesting, especially before when these games took forever. So you need Isn't that a Homer Simpson clip? Yes, I was just thinking of the Homer Simpson. I've never noticed how boring this game is before. And it, like, it was always kind of a running joke of like, there's nothing better than sitting in a ballpark and drinking a beer and eating a hot dog because you needed some, you needed the beer. <laughs> and I know there's going to be a baseball purist listening to this going, how dare you? You don't need right. beer to watch baseball. Most people do. Let's yep, be honest. Even kind of do. I love baseball. I love the Jays. I know you do as well. You're a bigger mm-hmm. fan than I am. And I'm sure it's not ideal to sit down and watch a Jays game without a pint. <laughs> it's a it big just kind part of, of the hand experience. Hand. Yes. It is. And I, and I think that was part of the problem. And and I'm, again, I'm not like a market uh, analyst or expert in the beer industry, but I imagine these things will kind of correct themselves because you look at something like hockey, and I don't know what the beer sales are in hockey versus baseball, but people have adapted with hockey where like if you get up in the middle of the third period to go get a beer, you're probably going to miss something. Yep. Um, so people go down to intermission or, you know, you just like run and <laughs> you do your best. I think people I think people will adjust their beer buying. Um, this we're already seeing. All right. Some people just buying two when they go yes, up. <laughs> exa- stock up. Right. Be like a squirrel. Right. <laughs> um, and and. Yeah, you know, the, the length of the game certainly impacts that. Dude, now, I don't recall this because it's been a while since I was actually at the Rogers Center for Jays game. Do they cut off beer sales 
like they do in hockey, like usually midway through the third period, you can't buy beer anymore. Do they do that with baseball as well? Yeah, that's usually right around the seventh inning stretch. They shut it right down. And okay. uh, so we've seen some teams already respond, moving it up to the eighth. The Jays haven't been one of them yet. We'll see. Um, there you go. Actually Maybe that's a, what they do. I don't know if you've paid attention or not, but uh, as part of this huge reno down at the Dome, they've actually added in a fair number of craft beer options at several different stands, which has always been a complaint uh, for baseball fans in Toronto. There's uh, Muskoka's in there, Great Lakes is in there. Uh, there's one awesome. or two. Uh, oh, there's a couple more actually in there. Yeah, it's it's a cool. Um, they've done a really nice job turning that experience around and yeah, being able to grab a couple craft options while you're down there seems pretty sweet too. And that, again, like I think that's one of the ways that you adjust, right? You make it. It sounds so bad because, like, if someone doesn't want to drink, that's fine. Sure. But you make you make the beer options more tempting, right? Mm-hmm. If if I know that Muskoka or Great Lakes is there, I'm much more likely to sacrifice. Okay, I might miss something in this inning, <laughs> but I'm going to get a Canuck because I love yep. that beer. I'm right. probably not doing that for a Bud Light, although I no. love Bud Light. Shout out Bud Light right now, by the yeah, way. Currently, um, for sure. Yeah. But like, <laughs> You know, I'm not doing that for a Stella. I'm not doing that for for any beer. But, you know, if there's some craft beer options, I think you're expanding the likelihood that people are going to sacrifice something in the game to go grab a beer. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to talk a little bit Women's World Hockey Championships as well. Before we do, though, why don't we talk about uh, the end of an era, the end of a streak. This will be the first year since 2006 that Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins are not in the playoffs. Uh, It's been a hell of a run. This model of uh, consistency when you have guys like Crosby and Latang and Malkin in your lineup for as long as they have, you know, three cups, but always a playoff contender. I just wonder, you know, as we sit here now and they're out, will that do anything to your viewing habits? Like, were they a go-to team for you if your team wasn't in it? Uh, You know, what do you think of, of the pens being out of this? Well, I'm a Sens fan, um, yeah. so no, the Pens were never uh, on my viewing roster, and I wanted nothing <laughs> but the worst for them. Um, okay. But but you know, as a objectively, you know what? I'll wait and ask hockey, Vanessa next week. <laughs> yes, that's fair. That's fair. She loves the Pens. Um, mm. Yeah, objectively, as a hockey fan, it's always good when the best players are in it, and Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are two of those best players. Uh, so it's weird. In 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 like the last time the Penguins weren't in the playoffs, I was in high school. And I'm not young. I am 33 (laughs) years old. Like, this is a long time. And and it's the first time in the same time span that we haven't, that that we don't have uh, Ovechkin or Crosby together in the playoffs, right? Right. So that's weird. Um, And and I think, like, you know, we saw saw them make some pretty significant changes the day after the regular season ended. Brian Burke and Ron Hextall both out. among other people in Pittsburgh. So clearly changes are coming because, you know, for a team that for a long time did a pretty good job of having their core and building around it, they struggled with that in recent years. Like they still have Sidney Crosby. He had 93 points this year. He's still a great and and played all Malkin hits a point a game as well. And again, plays a full season like that hasn't happened in forever. Like your your top guys pulled their weight again this uh-huh. year and there was nothing there to support them. That's exactly it. And and Pittsburgh was always really good at bringing in those supporting casts and, and finding it's always a challenge. It's always been a challenge to find players who play really well with Sidney Crosby because mm-hmm. when you're head and shoulders above everyone else, it's hard to find people who know how to play with you. Right. And 
They That's used how to Chris be really Kunis good. got himself That's... an Olympic gold medal. <laughs> exactly. Chris Kunis, I think there was a while where Pascal Dupuy was kind That's of in right. that same situation, right? Yep. And they haven't found that guy recently. They haven't had that same um, uh, magic of being able to bring in the supporting cast. And, you well, know, it gets harder I think... and harder, too. For so long, you've traded away all your first-round picks, so you don't have any prospects you can continue to trade. It, it You sort of eat yourself alive as you're going, but... Like, we all knew this would come to an end, and it made sense to me that as long as you had Crosby and Malkin, you would always be going for it. But, man, there was some huge misses this year, and, like, fans by the end of the season were chanting in the building, fire Hextall. Um, yeah, there was a piece written um, that I'll share the link to in, on our social media feeds that was just savage, describing Ron Hextall as the worst general manager in Penguins history. Um, uh, the media was there, was unhappy. The fans were pissed. This was not surprising to anybody that, yeah, they just wiped it right out as soon as, like, the day after their season ended. Well, I think that kind of speaks to, like, they've lost, like like I said, they lost their touch of being able to bring in supporting cast. Well, what's changed in the last couple of years? They brought in Ron Hextall. And, like, that was the biggest change that we've seen in the last couple of years, right? Clearly, yep. he doesn't have the ability to do it with this team. Um, and it's funny because... Uh, they, they were talking about this on the Steve Dangle podcast, but when you think of like your quintessential Brian Burke team, Pittsburgh is not it. <laughs> Pittsburgh no, is not a tough right. team. They're not, uh, you know, truculent as uh, <laughs> as <laughs> Brian Burke loved to use. Um, yeah. They're they're not even scary. Like the, the scariest part of them is that they've got Sidney Crosby and Genny Malkin, but once they're mm-hmm. off the ice, like it's it's not looking good. And and there's no disrespect to Jake Gensel. But after their top three in scoring Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel, there's like a 13-point drop before yep. you get to Ricard Raquel sure. and Jason Zucker <laughs> yeah. and Brian Rust. Like, like you're not seeing that same depth with this team that you used to. And I think the common denominator and the change that happened that led us here was was Ron Hextall. So it didn't surprise me at all. And it's... It's going to be interesting to see what they do from here, right? Because both Crosby, like we, there was a whole discussion last year whether or not Malkin was even coming back, and yeah, Crosby convinced too. them, uh, yeah. convinced them, and convinced leadership to to assign them. So now it's going to be like, where do you, you go from here? Do you continue with this core and find a way to build around it? Because at the end of the day, anytime you have Sidney Crosby on your roster, you should be going for it, right? Yeah. Um, or do they change something fundamental in the core? I, I'm I'm interested well, to see what the Penguins do, do next. Because those older guys, like we talked about, they kind of pulled their weight. Like okay. uh, it was other. You you mentioned how big of a drop off there was, how little support there was uh, in terms of top end talent. You start to look at Hextall. He's also the guy that gives Kasperi Kapanen a two year, six million dollar contract after he had been a healthy scratch for half of the previous season. That made no sense. He's the guy who decides Jared McCann is the guy we'll get rid of ahead of the Seattle expansion draft. McCann goes on to have a 40 goal season. Like, just some baffling decision making around that organization. And yeah, moving forward, you're right. This will be really interesting because. The wheels will come off for those old guys at some point, and they will come off hard. But that wasn't what happened this year, and it was one of those last chances you had with those guys, and you totally whiffed on it. And uh, uh-huh. I recorded a podcast over the weekend, um, mainly talking about the Leafs, and one of the things I touched on was the fact that Kyle Dubas still doesn't have a, con- have a contract. It took Pittsburgh media like nine seconds after the firing to start floating his name as a possibility in Pittsburgh, so... 
we'll see. Um, but yeah, interesting story there to see. And and Pittsburgh was always one of those teams for me in the playoffs as we kind of circle all the way back and get ready to move off this. I mainly because of Crosby, right? There's something about it. The same thing right now. It's a different type of player. But Connor McDavid, am I really an Oilers fan? Not really, but if I have a chance to watch Connor McDavid in his prime, I want to do that. And so for a long time now, when the Pens were in, if the Leafs weren't, which was pretty common there for a while, and then if the Leafs were out in the first round, which is still fairly common, uh, Pittsburgh would be one of my teams I would watch, not necessarily because I was cheering for them, but were just sort of an appointment team to watch or one of those you know, pillar franchises of the league. And so, yeah, it'll be strange to not have them around this year. But that's a really good point. They brought in viewers who both cheered for them and cheered against them. Yep, that's right. right. Like, because I was one of those people. I Like, I love Sidney Crosby as a hockey fan. Love, love, love him. But there mm-hmm. was some satisfaction in watching him leave the playoffs earlier than expected. <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially as a Sens fan. <laughs> and I know a lot of people felt the same way. Like, if, if, he, if, if the best player in the world doesn't play for your team you don't necessarily always want the best for them. Um, so they brought in viewers who you know, who loved and hated them. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 very weird. Um, and there was one other point I was going to make, and now it's completely left my, my brain. But <laughs> you, you mentioned their lack of, of a prospect pool. Yeah. I think that's something that's going to be very, like whoever they bring in, um, and I hope it's not Kyle Dubas, because I get in line Pittsburgh. I would also like him here in Ottawa. <laughs> Uh, you know how I do... kind of like him to stay here in Toronto, but we'll see how that plays out. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. I I want I have this theory, and it doesn't make any sense, and I have no basis for it. But oh, I love these theories. I think he's going to become the GM of the Ottawa Senators one day, and we all know that he loves his guys, right? He loves we... his people. Yeah, and one of his people uh-huh. is Haley Wickenheiser. Okay, all I'm I think saying. Not... This sounds familiar now that you may have floated this theory before. Have I, have I talked about this theory before? Did you guys Maybe know not I like on the show. Yeah, <laughs> this might be a way to get Haley into Ottawa, which is really all Shrides cares about. She could take or leave Dubas, but as long as Wickenheiser exactly. might be the quickest way to get her down the highway. Maybe she, she could, becomes his replacement in Toronto. And remember, I have Ooh, two vested fun, interests eh? in this because mm-hmm. I also work for the Ottawa Hospital and she is a doctor. It's true. And... I would love You'd be to able be to able... call her a coworker. I'm fine. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. And she'd also work for my favorite team. It would be wonderful. Anyway, I again have no basis for thinking this could happen. I have no pull in making this happen. And I just really I would really like to see it. That's that's my theory. Uh why don't we talk a little bit about the women's world hockey championships? As we sit here on Sunday afternoon, we got the gold medal game dead ahead. This is why we had to record early so that Michaela would have time to emotionally prepare herself for what's to come. But uh, where are we on this event? How has it gone? How has it sort of played out? What have you thought of what we've seen so far? You know, what what kind of stands out to you through, you know, we've seen everything but the main event at this point. Uh, what, what will be your lasting memory of this tournament? This tournament has been uh, wild, to be honest with you. I don't know if you caught the group play game between Canada and the U.S. last Monday night, but it took years off my life, and it was the <laughs> group play game. Yeah. We weren't even in the elimination round yet. And I, for, to recap for those who missed it, in the last two and a half minutes, it was the wildest two and a half minutes of hockey I think I've ever watched. Um, Canada was up to one 
Laura Stacy scores an empty netter to give them some insurance. It's now 3-1. Canada scores to make it 4-1, but that goal is called back because of goalie interference, which it was. It's fair. Um, the clock disappears, and then Hillary Knight scores, but there's this whole review because they don't know if there was actually any time left on the clock because the clock disappeared. Turns right. out there was time. It was about 39 seconds left on the clock, but then Canada challenges that goal for offside. It results in like a 10-minute review. Um, they allow the goal, even though it was blatantly offside. Um, <laughs> and then, so it ends up being 3-2 Canada. Amanda Kessel scores with 3.4 seconds left. Another Kessel, Oof. who I just continues to hurt my team. Um, Thank you, Kessel. <laughs> uh, ends up being tied. Overtime solves nothing. We go through nine rounds of the shootout <laughs> before Jamie Lee Rattray finally scores. Anyway, I have just recapped every uh, reason that I go to therapy um, <laughs> if for those of you who are wondering and that was again just the group play if these two teams know knew how to play a normal game of hockey my life would be so much easier but they don't and here we are and then we ended up uh, um, Canada's quarterfinals and semifinals were not that easy they went to no. overtime with Sweden in the quarterfinals because they ran up against a very very hot goalie in Emma Soderberg um, they did end up winning that one off a of Sarah Nurse overtime winner. Shout out Sarah Nurse. Um, and then with Switzerland, they they beat Switzerland 5-1, but we didn't see a goal in that game until halfway through. Sarah Fillier finally scored after Canada had 21 shots on goal. They finally found a way to uh, solve goaltender Andrea Brandley uh, of Switzerland. So Canada ran up against two very hot goal goaltenders in the uh, quarterfinals and the semifinals. Um, so they had a challenging path to the gold medal game which is not something we're used to seeing in women's hockey it's great that we're seeing it because clearly the competition is growing and the the gap is closing i feel like i'm and asked every year about this tournament is the gap closing and the answer is yes right <laughs> um because it's now it's stressful to be a canadian hockey fan um <laughs> and and the u.s had a, a fairly easy path uh to to the, the gold medal game they beat czechia in the semifinals nine one so now we've got Canada and the U.S. going up head-to-head uh, -head in the gold medal game. Again, it's it's the matchup everyone predicted. Um, but the way we got here really told me that we've seen a lot of growth in, in the women's game, which is amazing to see. You know, Finland's always the team that I say watch out for, and they didn't make it out of the quarters. So, um, that, and I think that's a good thing because it means that Finland's not the only team that can now sure, compete yeah. with Canada, right? Um, yeah. with Canada and the U.S. So, so I've really liked what I've seen, as stressful as it's been. Um, don't ask me to predict the gold medal game, because I think I've said on this podcast before, flip a coin with these two teams, yeah. man. You just never know. Um, Sarah Filiates had an amazing tournament. She leads Canada I was just going to say, points. like, that semifinal might go down as the Sarah Filiate game. Like, everyone's known she's coming. She's been arrived. Like, she has arrived, and she's shown. But, like, this is the one where, yeah, you've come up against an opponent that's pushing you harder than you expected, and she's the one that breaks through and really makes sure this doesn't become something that we remember poorly for a long time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. She's she's really uh, shown why she's been so highly touted for a long time, um, and she's had a great tournament so far. So is Sarah Nurse, uh, which is amazing to see. Um, and yeah, like this is, this is great seeing Canada. It, it's just, they've, they've run up against a couple of hot goal tenders and, and, you know, teams that were unexpectedly more competitive. And, and I think that's only a good thing. So let me ask you, and maybe this is a question, like maybe next week we try and get your therapist on the show instead that's of you and, and we can ask her or, uh, but 
you mentioned this idea, and, and it's been true, that Canada had the tougher path this time. Sweden put up a fight. Switzerland put up a fight. The U.S. kind of cakewalked through the, the playoff portion of this to get to the gold medal game. And I wonder, maybe, and this is the reason that your therapist is maybe the better person to consult, because maybe you're just too paranoid and, and, and worried to be able to properly analyze it. But mm-hmm. do you think it's better to be pushed in the playoff round so that you see some more, um, you know, adversity other than just your game against the U S you know, and you know, you've been pushed, you've been battle tested, or does it set off alarm bells that we're not putting these teams away? Like the U S is doing on the other side of the bracket. Where does your mind go when you see one team, you know, like I said, kind of cakewalk through this and the other team kind of, you know, struggle, not struggle. They got through it and they got it done, but they were pushed harder. My mind goes to anxiety. That's where it goes. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like there's there's the part of you that thinks, you know, it's kind of like the, the team that was playing playoff hockey for two months leading into the playoffs, just competing for a spot. They're always a dangerous team. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, like, are you then that much more tired and, uh, you know, exhausted and, Is and it an indication you're not playing very well. Is, yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, and and to be fair, from what I've seen with Team Canada, they were playing very well. It's just they they again ran into two really hot goaltenders because um, they had like 21 shots on goal in Switzerland before they finally scored. So right, you know, it could go both ways. You could be concerned about your team's play, or they found a way to break through in a game where they were facing some adversity, um, and that could be a good thing or again it could be a bad thing because you're tired so i'm not gonna give an answer to this one only to say that i'm anxious about it yes fair enough (laughs) uh i'm anxious to get a look at the stanley cup playoffs which start on monday night yes let's talk about your anxiety for a bit that sounds fun and you know what um I have coping mechanisms, and that's to kick my problems down the road and pretend they don't exist. So we're going to kick the leaf portion of the conversation <laughs> down the road a little bit. We'll talk about that later on. I want to ask you, though, as you look at the slate of series that have been lined up, like I said, we're going to hold Toronto-Tampa, but what looks interesting to you? Which of these matchups, you know, uh, if you're sitting down to watch a game, are you most interested in getting a look at? So many of them, to be completely honest with you. Um there are matchups that I think are just going to be wildly entertaining. Uh, like, for example, the uh, Islanders-Hurricanes uh, series. And I, don't ask me why, um, because I'm sorry if there are dogs barking no, in the background. That's all right. Um, the Islanders are not exactly known as a team that can score goals. But they do have, I think, it, you know, a, a bit of an X factor in Ilya Sorokin. Um, and Carolina, while they can score goals, is likely starting Freddie Anderson. <laughs> Yeah. So that's going to be fun. Um, I told you, Matt's anxiety gets to wait. <laughs> no we'll Freddy flashbacks. The other series that I think is really interesting is Seattle versus Colorado. And I know on paper, this should be an easy Colorado win, just given the fact that you've got a top-seeded division team and a, a wildcard team. But Colorado has dealt with a ton of injuries this season. They are beat up. Yeah. They're beat up. They're, they're missing Landeskog. They're going to get Kale McCarr back, but at what percentage yeah um and then you've got seattle who kind of came out of nowhere this season they went from being not just bad but irrelevant last year to yeah being one of the uh, like low-key best teams in the league at a time 
right? They're, obviously, they finished with a wild card spot, but there was a point this year where I remember people saying, like, yo, we should pay attention to Seattle Kraken. They were the first team to walk in and beat Boston at home this year after, like, two months <laughs> into the year. Three, it was, like, early December. And they're a bit of a scoring by committee team, so there's no, like, one player who you need to watch out for. It's kind of everyone. Yeah, a bunch of 20-goal guys. Yeah, and when you're playing a team like Colorado who are so top-heavy, and, you know, again, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. Mm-hmm. They've got great depth. But they're so injury riddled that I, I feel like this could be an opportunity for Seattle. The, the biggest challenge is going to be, um, you know, one thing that has been very good this year for Colorado is is goaltending. And uh, yeah. Gorgiev has been fantastic. Um, uh, 9-1-9 save percentage on the season. He's won his last six starts and he's only lost two of his last 15 starts. So he's hot right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a challenge, but I think that's going to be a really entertaining series. And then the other one that I'm just super excited about, and I think like it really wouldn't matter who Edmonton was playing, but I'll, you know, <laughs> Ca- Cotter McDavid and Leon Draisaitl in the playoffs, always a fun, it, it's always going to be a fun series no matter what. But LA, uh, again, kind of snuck up on us all right, this year, right? Like we we're all kind of waiting for them to start getting good and they're only going to get better. But yeah. they, they, really snuck up on us in terms of how fast their young players have developed and how good they've gotten. Um, and they, unlike Edmonton, have a decent goaltending tandem in Jonas Corposalo and Phoenix Copley, whereas the Oilers have Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner. <laughs> I, you're, well more, you're, you're more sold on the LA goaltending than I am. Now, again, uh, maybe I... I should have more respect for Corpusalo after what he did to the Leafs in the bubble, but you know he's he's sort of to me just a guy. Now you're right, Campbell and Skinner are just guys too, right? And and frankly, Campbell's been worse than that. He's been five million dollars bad guy. Um, I, I I'll, I'll be stunned. Like I haven't seen an announcement, but I'll be stunned if it's not Skinner who starts Game One yeah. for for Edmonton. I'm a little less sold on the goaltending, but you're so right about LA, right? Last year, they come out of nowhere and they squeak into the playoffs and you're sort of like, you know what? Good for those guys. We all know they're building. They're going to be good. They probably arrived a little early and it wouldn't be shocking if they take a step back this year, but they don't take a step back this year. They come out and have another killer season. All their young players get a little bit better. Once again, Kopitar is still every bit what he's supposed to be. And we're going to get another look at Philip Deneau, on Connor McDavid, right? The uh, wet blanket on the fiery superstar. Let's he's gonna take another shot at trying to slow him down. And he's had success in that role before. Um against this version of Connor McDavid. I'll wait and see whether that's possible. But I have this one on my list as well as like I'll stay up for these. I'm sure you'll catch the highlights in the morning or maybe PVR it or whatever. There's a lot of late night hockey here. But that I'm and it'll be chippy, right? They played last year too. Okay. So they'll there's a bit of a rivalry there. I think this one's going to be awesome. And despite the fact that I'm a morning person and usually in bed by 930, I, it, <laughs> weirdly during the first round of the playoffs, especially, I will stay up a lot. I, I do my best to watch almost first every round playoff game. First round is the best game. round every oh, year. First round is the <laughs> best round. It really is. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, but I like, have it's, to say that. That's the one I get to play in. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is so much fun. And there's just so many matchups that I think could go either way. Um, and the, the other one that I'm, I'm keeping my eye on is the Winnipeg Jets and Vegas Golden Knights because the Jets, like, like who the hell are the Winnipeg Jets? We don't know. They've been so inconsistent this year. They've been at times the hottest team in the league and at times a garbage fire. And <laughs> at the end of the day, any team with Connor Hellebuck is a wild card. Yeah, that'd um, scare you. 
So I think, and I, I, I'm really looking for, again, Vegas Golden Knights also dealt with a ton of injuries this year, right? So yeah. that's going to be a, a really interesting matchup. Um, and that one is interesting to me too. I've, for a long time, I haven't been as sold on Winnipeg as, as you know, the mainstream media. And last year I did a bit of a victory dance as Winnipeg didn't make it going, I told you, I told this year they come out of the gate and they're like first in the West for like half the year or right there. Right. And then they've sort of fallen back and fallen back. And in, in the last week or two, they're just hanging on, but they do get in. And as you point out, when you have Connor Hullabuck, you've got a chance and there is some depth up front. Like if they can get it going, like Nikolai Ehlers is every year underappreciated. Kyle Connor is fantastic. They've got Dubois who good two-way guy to have in the playoff. Shifley's Shifley. Like we'll see, but that Vegas team looks pretty good too. And you know, if, I don't know if you caught it, but it was whether Thursday or Friday of this week, as the season's winding down, all of a sudden Shea Theodore and Mark Stone and Jack Eichel reemerge onto the ice out of their LTIR slumber. Mm. Uh, funny how that plays out. I don't know how many of those guys will be in for game one, but I'm interested in that one. But, uh, you know, it, it it's, I don't know, for some reason, it's a little ways down my list. I'm surprised it's taken us this long to get to New York, New Jersey. Yes. Because for me... That is right behind Toronto-Tampa as my number one can't miss. And of course, the NHL put them on the same night. That's what they do. I don't ask <laughs> for much strides. I put up a, with a lot of shit from this league. All I ask in return is just a little help on the scheduling front. No, can't get it. Uh, but that one is going to be awesome. The Devils almost passed the Hurricanes at the very end, which would have robbed the rest of us of a series we badly wanted to see. But... That young up and coming Devils team that was so good all year. And we're going to see can they carry it into the playoffs or do they have that hiccup that sometimes young up and coming teams do? Whereas the Rangers, they go out, they bring in Tarasenko and Kane for a little veteran leadership. I haven't kept an eye on what the numbers have been like the last couple of weeks. I know at first when Tarasenko arrived, he fit in perfectly and was really lighting it up. Uh, but they already have Zabinijad and Panarin and, you know, Kako and Lafreniere as kind of this third line that's really nice young depth at that far down your lineup. Um, and maybe the best goalie in the world, right? You mentioned Sorokin and what he can do. Shesterkin is in that exact same conversation. And right. that would scare the shit out of me if I was the Devils because the Rangers, if Shesterkin's at his best, win the goaltending battle, hands down, not even close. But this is going to be an awesome series. I can't wait for that one. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so much fun. And the Devils have Andre Pollat, which yeah. I think is a huge X factor because Great point. we know, like, look what he did with Tampa. Yeah. Right. He's a playoff um, guy. He shows up and playoff does playoff guy. things. Yeah. And and much like, uh, I don't want to say much like Seattle because it was more, it was to a bigger extent with New Jersey, but New Jersey came out of nowhere this year. Like, we were, they were comically bad um the last couple of seasons and now that <laughs> their young teams have their young players sorry have finally found a way to gel and they're mm -hmm. just so much fun and they're so dynamic and they've got the, 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 they're just they're fun they're they're, they're a fun team are, and it's yeah. the fun teams that you gotta watch out for because they don't give a shit <laughs> they have yeah, nothing no, it's to true. lose the range and they haven't been the good long enough for people to hate them yet like they're, exactly. they're kind of an easy team they're, to get behind. Not to use a cliche, but they are playing with house money a little bit, yeah, right? A little bit, yeah. And the Rangers are, you know, they, uh, they've been in conversation at times for the favorites to win the mm -hmm. Stanley Cup. Yeah, um, this there's isn't expectation great, there. Tons of expectation, and rightfully so. This is one mm -hmm. of the best offensive cores in the league. And then yep. add to that, you've got one of the best defensemen in the league in Adam Fox. And like you said, the best goaltender in the world. So like... Yeah. <laughs> By all accounts, the Rangers should win this series. 
but New Jersey is fun and yep. they don't care. And that but, is dangerous. And you're right. It's going to be a ton of fun. It's going to be a ton of fun for fans who are not fans of either of these teams. That's because it. Because the rivalry is, you know, this is the tri-state area. This is the New York, New Jersey rivalry. This is friggin' awesome. Yeah. Um, and if you don't care about either of these teams and you just want to watch two fan bases destroy themselves, this is going to be a ton of fun. <laughs> No, it's true. Uh, the last series that I wanted to mention, I, and I guess we've probably been through most of them now. I actually out west, you know, maybe before we totally move off, it was a little disappointed with how some of these matchups played out. Like, I don't, uh, like, I think Dallas is a good team, but do I care about watching them in Minnesota? That I'm not even going to turn that on, right? But there was some better options out there, right? Like, I would have loved to have seen any other mix almost, right? Like Colorado, Dallas, I probably watched that, right? Or Vegas, Colorado, Vegas, De like I don't know, any other shuffling of the deck out west almost leaves me happier than with what we got. Like, uh, but I do have time. I don't know how much of it I'll watch. But moving back east, I am fascinated by the Brad Marchand versus Matthew Kachuk for seven games dynamic in the Hockey Boston, Florida. <laughs> for seven games, those two are going to be just at each other's throats and at everyone else's throats. Um, like I said, I don't know on the face of it with the series how much I really care, but those two in particular, I'm very intrigued by. That is such a good point. And and yeah, this is one of those matchups that, okay, we, we know who's probably going to win this. But I do think, and this could be a really hot take, I do think Florida is going to make it more of a series than you would think because they've been playing playoff hockey for the last couple of months, right? Yep. Just fighting for that spot. Now, the Bruins, in any other situation where you've got a top team going up against a wildcard team that would be a factor for the wildcard team but the Bruins are historically good and they yes. really have been playing playoff hockey since October <laughs> this is true it's not just any old president's trophy winning team this is a team that now has the, the broke the points record and the wins record this season they are yep we've never seen a team this good in the regular season before now I could talk for a while about whether or not that means they're going to win the Stanley Cup because history would indicate they're not. But yeah, the last team to come close to that Habs record was Tampa in 19, and they got swept by Columbus in the first round. So sometimes exactly. the world is just fucking weird. It, and, and in any sport, the yep. team, I can't remember the exact stat, but it is incredibly rare to see the team that makes history in the regular season win the yes. championship, right? right? New England Patriots, for example. I think it's every... Every major league in North America, the team that has the the wins record, regular season wins record, does not go on to win the championship. It's like the yeah. Seattle Mariners, the Golden State Warriors, and the New England Patriots. And now we have the Bruins, so we'll see how this plays out. <laughs> um, and again, if it were any other team, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, they're probably not winning the, the Stanley Cup. But this this Bruins team is just like they're just they're a different level of good because it's not just that they're good on paper their their attitude is really really playoffy it's playoffy <laughs> they, and they always are right they're always that like they they have one gear and that's go and and you know boston teams in general have that mentality of like just do your job just show up and do your job um and they all have a role to play they know it they have a system they're they're uh, they're just a different team i don't know how else to describe it yeah, um, I, I think for me, I, I just would to interject for a second. I think with Boston, you know, you just, like they've already been this good and they've been playing playoff hockey since November. That's frightening because we already knew that that is a team that even if they'd finished like third 
or a wild card, they would still scare the shit out of you in the playoffs because it's a team with those types of players, right? And and those types of systems, and they know how to play playoff hockey. You're like, even if they'd sort of had a mediocre season, you'd still be afraid of them, but they didn't have a mediocre season. They had an all-time season, and now they're getting to go to the part that they're 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 good at. Like, that's uh-huh. frightening to me. 100%. Um, and they while, while New York has, you know, the best goalie in the world for the last couple of years, the Bruins have the best goalie in the league this year in Linus Olmark. Yeah, it's so nine three eight save percentage in a year where the save percentages in general were going plummeted. Down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of goaltending, the Panthers have like fourteen million dollars in cap space tied up in goaltending, and it looks like they're going to start Alex Lyon in game one. So I don't know who had that on their bingo card at the beginning of the year. If uh, if anybody was playing those you know season long prop bets at uh, on one of the million betting sites we have now, and you had Alex Lyon as the starter in game one of the playoffs. You're about to collect some cash, but I'm not sure that person is out there. I was hoping the Bruins, to be honest with you, would get the Islanders instead of the Panthers because I I frankly think the Islanders, if not have a better shot at beating Boston, at least they're going to beat Boston up more as a okay. team who is hoping to get through the first round and be next in line. for. But I want Boston to have to face Sorokin, first of all, who might just do the thing on his own. And then if not, like you still have the physicality out there. You still have some experience out there. Um, I, I just, in in terms of looking at teams who might take down Boston, I still don't think it was likely that the Isles did it, but I thought they would have a better crack at it than the Panthers. But you're right. The Panthers are, you know, a defending president's trophy winner and, you know, they had a rough season, but they've still got enough talent there to scare you in round one. So yeah. we'll see how that one plays out too. If it makes you feel any better, rest is rarely a weapon in the playoffs. <laughs> rest is a bad thing. You see teams is. who end series too early and then go up against a team that went seven games yep. or six games even. It's often not a great thing. So that might work in your favor. And with that. So, yeah. Okay. So we get to the next. We. Shrides, I've, I've cracked my next beer. <laughs> it's the Jelly King. And. I don't know if it's the topic we're about to discuss or just how tart and sour this beer is that have me a little puckered at the moment, a little uh, scrunched face at the moment. Uh, it's Leafs and Lightning for a second year in a row. Um, look, we can go back and forth on this in any number of different ways. Most of the the analytics, most of the websites, most of the, the, the talking heads are suggesting that the Leafs are the favorites. And the numbers kind of back that up. And the Leafs did finish 13 points ahead of them in the regular season. At the same time, uh, everything else, all the intangible stuff says, yet yeah, no, Toronto is absolutely not the favorite against the three-time defending Eastern Conference champions. What are you smoking? Um, Tampa hasn't been good down the stretch. But Tampa's known all the way since, like, November 15th who they were playing, just like Toronto did. You wouldn't blame some of those guys if they were just sort of coasting. And if I don't know if this is a thing, but if if it is a thing where some teams could flip a switch, Tampa could flip a switch. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Shrides. I'm... I'm like I said, I, I got my face a little scrunched here at the moment. I'm uncomfortable. We're heading into my anxiety. What do you make of Leafs Lightning? Well, Matthew, uh-huh. to quote from the Steve Dangle podcast, which, yes, I listen to all the time and is my main source of NHL news. Hmm. 
There is no reason why the Leafs should lose this series. There's no excuse for them to lose this series. That's a weird thing to say. That doesn't mean they won't. Yeah. Because we all know the history here. I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to talk about the fact that the Leafs have not made it to the second round since 2004. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about the fact that that the Leafs... I'm not going to talk about the fact that the Leafs repeatedly find themselves in situations where all they need is one game to close it out, and they repeatedly cannot get that done. It sounds like she's talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, like it makes sense to me that Toronto is the favorite. They're the objectively better team here in this, if you're looking at this season alone. Mm-hmm. But you are right. The defending Eastern Conference champions and a team that has won two of the last three Stanley Cups mm-hmm. and been to three straight camp Stanley Cup finals. Mm-hmm. You should never easily bet against them. I don't care. And they have been like ice, ice, baby cold in the yep. last few months. Yep. Um, and look and tired. They do genuinely look they tired. Do. And it's it's one of those things where, like, we said this about Boston for a long time, too. Right? We're all waiting for them to fall off. We're all waiting for them to, the, the, the old guard Please to get hurry. <laughs> Please hurry. Please, beloved God. And then what do they do? They go and have a historically good season, which is just so Boston. But yep. the same thing has been happening with Tampa, where we've all been waiting for the three straight Stanley Cup final appearances to start weighing on them. Yep. And it just hasn't happened until now. And I do genuinely think that's part of what we're seeing here. And I know that it's one, like, I could eat my words in a couple of games, right? Because Mm -hmm. if there's one thing that a team that's been to three straight Stanley Cup finals is good at, it's winning in the playoffs. Yes. So it's hard to bet against them, but all all signs point to Toronto being the favorite. It's it's the weight of that first round series that I think is going to be the X factor here because you've got a, a core of players that has shown... There's something about getting to game six or or game getting to the point where you need one win. Yeah. Where something trips them up. They get the yips a little bit. And it's whether or not Toronto can break through that because objectively they have a much better team than they have in the last couple of years. I mean, when Ryan O'Reilly is your third line center, <laughs> you're doing pretty good. And I I just think like the biggest question for me with Toronto is goaltending. Of course, yeah. Um, like the Samsonov uh, has been fine, but he's mm-hmm. also been injured. Yep. I don't think. I honestly don't think we're going to see Matt Murray on. I'm just shocked. I'm sorry, dodge about nuts. Sorry. Um, uh, I think you'll probably see Joseph Wool. I think there there was talk of how they're going to make that happen because there's some salary cap considerations. But I yeah, think they anymore. are able to call him up. Well, yeah, let's yeah. playoffs start. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um. So I think it's going to be Samsonov and Wool. And you don't think we're going to dress any more amateur tryouts in the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> no, because there's uh, there's uh, a code match. Yes, apparently you can't we can't go breaking yes, the code. Well, haven't, we'll get what we deserve. Yeah, I mean, break every other violation of uh, moral code. But anyway, yeah. um, but uh, the thing with a goalie like like Joseph Wool, for example, let's say he does start, there's this beautiful like sh- new new goalie smell. That you get with with young goalies, where they come up and no team has a book on them. That's it. So that it, like we, I think you could explain away the Hamburglar run with exactly that. No one knew how to game plan for Andrew Hammond, and then what yep. happened when they got a few, get a you look know, at the them. rest yep. of the season. Yeah, then, then then eventually they fall off, right? But there is that honeymoon period with new goalies that teams don't have them figured out yet, and what a great time to capitalize on that than in the playoffs. So. All that is to say, I do think the Leafs are going to win. 
Um, but I obviously went around. They're trying. (laughs) And you have to wonder too, like, is it going to be kind of like the Washington Capitals of 2018 where, you know, they finally beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And then like once that dragon was slayed, they went on to win the cup. Is that going to be the first round for the Toronto Maple Leafs where they finally slay that dragon? They finally went around and then all that pressure is off and they cruise to the cup. (laughs) That's the thing. Boston's such a weird thing friggin team this year it's like all that's our like dragon any others, like that. so, oh yeah forget oh the God, first second, round a second or, round matchup with toronto boston hook it to my veins i will be I so inconsolable bad. for like two weeks like I you just... and my husband both and i would be loving every minute of it i'm with you on the goaltending matchup uh, and when you compare this series to what it looked like last year last year i would have said tampa's defensive depth was better i thought toronto's depth even last year was fine but Tampa's was really good with Hedman and Sergachev and McDonough. When you take McDonough out of that mix and you look at that blue line now, you're sort of like, eh, you know, like Sergachev's had a really good year to try and fill in. But now you don't have the two of them. You have just the one of them. And then obviously Hedman doing his thing. Toronto doesn't have that high top end like Hedman, but one through six right now, after some of the moves they made at the deadline, their depth is really good. Last year, I would have said the forward depth was about a, uh, about a tie, right? You start to look at what the, the the Lightning were coming in with and what the Leafs were coming. Yeah, close enough, right? I just sawed that off. They go about it in different ways, but pretty close this year. I do think Toronto's depth is better. You mentioned having brought in O'Reilly and how that gives them a different look that they didn't have last year. Nylander has a career year. Marner pushes up against 100 points again. And Matthews, who in all honesty had a down year, has looked like he's heating up at the right time, right? And maybe that's just blue goggles and hoping for the best, but his pace over the last 20 games was far better than it was at any point during the the rest of the season. So I would give that nod right now to Toronto as well. But the biggest one is goaltending, and I'm not giving that nod to Toronto when Vasilevsky's sitting at the other end and might make everything else irrelevant. Um, The Leafs got to him a couple of different times in round one, but in games five, six, and seven... He was terrific, and he can change the series on his own. So we'll see, right? Uh, I don't believe in curses. I don't believe like that the Leafs are doomed, but I don't walk into this feeling like Toronto is the favorite. I do believe there is something to be said for the experience that Tampa has and the inexperience, and it's not even inexperience. It's the experiences, the bad experiences that Toronto has had that they're going to have to conquer mentally, and I do think those things weigh on you a little bit. And yeah, over the last six years, there's as much as anything been largely the the coin coming up against them in some coin flip series, right? They play Washington when no one expects them to be there. Six games, five of them go to overtime. Two years in a row, game seven against Boston. Columbus, I thought Toronto was way better than Columbus, even though in the regular season before it was cut off, they were only a point apart. Um, and they lose that one. The Montreal one the next year is straight up humiliating. You had to win that. You were up 3-1. And then last year, again, it's another coin flip. You put games five, six, and seven are all one goal games. So they're right there. But until you do it, you haven't done it. And they're going to have to conquer that this year against a team that always finds a way to do it. So... You know, I, it's not a curse. I don't go into this thing, oh my God, they have no chance. I look at this as just another coin flip and will the gods finally let it come up heads just once or 
or are we getting the tail end once more? I, I'm I'm nervous. I'm excited. I I'm all kinds of things. It's going to be a good series, I think. But I I have no time for the idea that Toronto is like this clear cut favorite. It's a coin flip to me again. And welcome to being an Ottawa Senators fan in the early 2000s. <laughs> I like I have not, I've gotten no greater karmic pleasure than what's been going on with Toronto Maple Leafs. But like in in all seriousness, this is exactly how we felt in the early 2000s. It didn't matter how good the team was coming into it. We had been burned before. Right. And that will always sit in the back of your head as a fan. So it's it's until they do the thing. I can't relax. Right. <laughs> so I totally get that. And uh, it, listen, I do think it's going to be a fun series. Like these are two, objectively, as a, as a non-fan of either team, they are two really fun teams to watch as yeah. as cold Even as Tampa has been. Even if you're not a Leaf fan, this is right there with New York, New Jersey as like exactly. must-watch exactly. television. Yeah, And it's always, it's always fun when you're watching a team that has the, ex- like, it's an added storyline, the expectations on Toronto, right? And, and the, like, if you're a Canadian hockey fan, you know that, it, that the focus is always on Toronto. The yeah. eyeballs are always on them. So it's just an added story, I think, to an already exciting series. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, don't text me. So, <laughs> no, I'll tweet <laughs> <with> you. <laughs> oh, great. My public humiliation. Oh, I'm going to be so annoying. This is you the and my husband are going to hate me by the end of this. Yeah, okay. Can't, <laughs> can't wait. Uh, he's welcome to come hang out here. <laughs> he might get have away, to. Get away from you, yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Playoff season is always fun. You got, you know, baseball's up and running. The Jays, as we sit here right now, have taken two or three from Tampa, so they're off to a nice start. We got a gold medal hockey game tonight at the Women's World Hockey Championships. Not a bad uh, couple of weeks around the sports world, right? No, it is uh, one of it, it, April and October, man. Like two of the yes. most wonderful times of year for sports fans. And for Canadian sports fans in particular, we get to wear shorts and then go watch <laughs> hockey. And that is wonderful. Just don't look at the forecast for the next no. couple of days. Exactly. Uh, Shrides, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, I got to be honest, this this Jelly King pink guava, it's really not for Matt. It's, uh, they've said they've oh, no. worked hard to kind of have a sour that is also malty, right? Like, a, 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 it's just, it's very tart. It's, it's really not for me. I'm going to finish it. Like, I'm not, I'm not of course, you're it out. Right. But I, I'm not sure I'd have a second one is, uh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Sours but, are not my thing. I can, I can try them. I can have a few sips, but like, then this I'm was done. a big bottle. Like there's a lot of it to get through. Like, it's not even just a can. So it's always the way it goes, right? Uh, I appreciate you doing this, right? Um, I appreciate I, you having me on. I expect I won't appreciate you very much over the next week to 10 days to two weeks, nope. but, uh, you know, we can, we, we can reconvene after that. <laughs> yes, let's talk after the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or after after the first round. Yes, uh, after the first round, when, when only good things will have happened. That's what I'm wishing into the universe. And I say it with at Put least there, manifest. 40% conviction. Uh, <laughs> we'll wind this one down here. Don't forget, She's Got Game every weekend on the TSN radio network and now in pod form. Available in wherever you form. get exactly wherever you get your podcast. Check out she's got game with uh, with Michaela and Vanessa, and uh, she's on social media at Shrides S C H R E I D S, and her craft beer takes at Crafted in the Capital on Instagram. We are on social media at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast as well if you're not already. Thank you so much for checking this one out. Hope you all have a great week. Enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy everything going on right now. Enjoy a beer, and we'll catch you next time. Bye.
What the hell was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?